And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.33. Joining me now for Gardening with Barb and Karen is our friend, Master Gardener Barb Lamson. Good morning, Barb. Well, good morning, Karen. It's great to be back to Minnesota. You were down in Georgia. No, you were in Ohio. Ohio. I was in Cleveland, Ohio. That's right. There's nothing that makes a grandparent or a parent happier than when their child are graduating from college or some significant event in their life. And we went to Cleveland to see our granddaughter graduate with her Ph.D. in law from um, uh, uh, Case Western mm-hmm. University. And she was, by the, by the way, the very top of the class, I understand. She she wasn't exactly the top of the class, but oh, she, was she, the, <laughs> she was in the upper Yes, and and she received five additional awards, nice. which so that that was a very exciting time, and uh, to, and to meet her friends and to meet her professors, and and it was so interesting to hear them talk about her, and I couldn't help but say, you know, this child has always been like that. She's always going to be the one who isn't materialistic, she is concerned about the good and the human rights of others, and that just warms my heart. Oh, well, she probably so, got it from Grandma. Well, it, it's got to take lo- lots of sources influence children, right. that's for sure. Well, but, I want to say, uh, we had another really exciting thing. You were gone for it, is the big plant <coughs> sale. I know. And I want to thank the listeners out there. Winnebago Bob was one uh, who introduced himself as one of our listeners, and Harvey heard from a lot of them. The plant sale was a huge success. In fact, Barb, you weren't there, but it was standing room only. We sold out of almost everything by in the first hour, and there was still stuff, and people kept coming, and Harvey had some, you know, his tomatoes sold out, and sure. it was just amazing, and one of the greatest compliments I heard somebody said, the reason we come to this one is because we know the caliber of the plants, right. and of course, that's what you get when you have master gardeners who have yes. been learning about this and doing this. So it was a great success, and all that money we raised will be used to do projects in the community again. Yes, and just one of the projects that's very near and dear to my heart is the uh, summer school. When we teach summer school, we teach gardening to kids. It's it's just a wonderful program. We do lots of educational types of things. We do tours of gardens. We just it's 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 a great event. And uh, we love to meet those people who listen to our program. We love to meet people that are starting to garden. And gosh, you know what? I have learned so much from other gardeners. Oh, I have too. Yeah. So thank you all. Even though I wasn't there this year, I you know I remember 35 years ago when we first started selling plants. We were up at uh, the government building. Uh, and and we just stood outside, and uh, and and we sold what we had, and we made a few hundred dollars, and we thought it was great. And every year we just kept doing it. I remember people saying, "Go <coughs> way back when," because this is before you really knew what you're doing. Some people would just go out in the morning and just plop something in a cup or something. Sure. And, and so it didn't have the quality, but through the years, right. with education and, and and everybody had to learn. And yes. yeah, that's and that's it, not the way you do things. And the, you know, then the the great <coughs> thing was also the great questions that people ask there about planting things or even I had people with sketches of a house and saying what would you put here and it was just really neat to to be able to share our knowledge with them and and hopefully help them have a better garden. You know an upcoming event that we're going to do I'm not too certain when the starting date is going to be but it's going to be on Saturdays. We are going to have plants to give away 
at our demonstration garden on Glenwood Avenue. We hope you'll stop. We'll let you know when that starts and the timing of that. And and that's another great opportunity. If you've never gardened, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, you know, stop by and pick up a free plant and see how you do with that, even if you started in a container. You know, mm-hmm. that'll give you a feel for what that's like. Well, one of the things, Karen, that I want to talk about this morning, because it's been... Um, since we came home, it's been raining. You and can't do a lot <clears throat> outside. It's too no. cool and too rainy. Really. <clears throat> but maybe you've thought about putting in a compost bin. And if you have, um, there are some do's and don'ts. And I picked up a copy of Organic Gardening. Uh, my father used to subscribe to that. Just really? A, yep. Okay. Just a great um, uh, magazine. And in there, they have a hotline, a national hotline. They get about 4,000 calls a year on people having problems with their compost uh, or wanting to know how to get started or whatever. And I thought maybe I would share three of the calls that I read about. The first one was a man that called, and he said, I had so many flies in my compost uh, bin that I took uh, laundry soap, and he said, I spread that on that. Did I do the right thing? And of course, it's no. That would be very, very harmful and and not to do that. And most times, you don't get (coughs) flies. I mean, I've never seen really... Which brings... brings I've seen bees because I put a lot of my my, um, pears that fall on the ground in there. Oh, and apples, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anything like that, you'll have them. But one of the things he, he reminds his caller is that there is a system to adding things mm-hmm. and when you add uh, food stuff you have to cover it either with soil or with your leaves or with your grass you have to cover it every time so you're using three things you're using brown and you're using green and and your food stuff then and doing this in layers another call I thought was very interesting this woman called and she was all out of breath and she said you won't believe it a rat just jumped out <laughs> of my compost bin what did i do wrong well i've had <clears throat> i've had a lot of uh, i don't know if they're mice or voles in mine yeah and and it's probably for, from the food scraps in my well there was three problems that she had okay. number 1 <clears throat> she had her compost bin by her bird feeder, and oh. the birds would go in and they'd toss the seeds out. Sure. And rats love, love seed. seed. Yes, all these seeds that you feed to your birds, that's rats love that. And then there was a big thicket, and that was a great place for the rats to be in. Mm-hmm. So they had they could uh, hide. They hide in there. Nest. Yes, and, and and then come over, and um, the. the the thing, the other thing that she did was she would feed her dog outside, Ooh. and she would leave dog food Rats in the love dish. Dog food. <laughs> they, it, he said that they actually can smell it, and they come for blocks away oh, to, to get it. So three things she had to do, and then he said if she still continued to have a problem, if she was using a wooden frame, and you know we leave an inch or so between the, he said she's going to have to until she gets rid of those rats, she's going to have to put up some wire cloth and and secure it like that and she has to use a lid on it because obviously she's brought in uh, and it's going to take these rats a while to retrain that they can't be there. And you don't want to just throw poison in either because that's problematic. No, 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 because they're going to keep coming back. And then um, there was the rat, let me see, then there was a lady who called, she was frantic. She saw maggots crawling oh, that would be gross. in her compost pile. And he said to her, are you putting meat in there? And she said, well, would a dead pigeon count? 
She said <laughs> a pigeon had been, she found a dead pigeon and she put it in there. And of course well, there would be. It'll compost eventually. <laughs> so but. he said, no meat, no fish. He said, absolutely. A lot of people think that when we say don't put any meat, that fish aren't, uh-huh. that's not meat. It is a meat. And you can't put that in there either. I mean, but, you can, but you'll get things like maggots and stinks. Yes, certainly yeah. don't put dead things in there. I mean, if you had a dead mouse or you had anything, that's not the place for them. Well, I know there's probably dead mice in mine because some of the little ones that are on the top, because I've got this bin, it's an enclosed bin, I've <coughs> taken, I've clubbed them, and then they, <laughs> so they fit in there, but yeah. You know, I, I better not say I've never had mice in I haven't seen them. Maybe they're sneaky enough to go back into the <laughs> ravine so that I don't see them, but I don't know. But if you're doing any of these things, if if you uh, check out your bird feeder, if you're letting the birds throw the seed out, mm-hmm. if you've got it too close to your compost pile. And another thing is with uh, brush or thicket or, or uh, any kind of brambles like that. Tall grasses, yeah. Yeah, it, if, if, you, if it's too tall, it shades out the sun. And the compost pile needs, needs the sun. Yeah, it needs the heat to work. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, think about that. And moisture, too. The other thing, mine often gets too dried out. And I don't, you know, because I don't put enough of the more maybe wet grass or or not or scraps just, or things. Mm-hmm. But it's, I put more garden stuff in. So mine has taken a long time sure. um, to break down. In fact, I think it's been there, I don't even know how many years. And just this is oh. the first year I started digging from the bottom to get some stuff that looks decent. You really should get, if you, if you start your compost, now um, and and you do this layering and you wet it but you should be able to pick up a handful with your crumble hand it. yeah and crumble it and uh, and you don't put any of these meat scraps in at all or fat or dairy things right like that. right mm-hmm. so in uh, three months you know you should have compost and you turn it you periodically turn it so and and when you do put bigger things in you you should chop them up because I so I have put things with like small sticks and stuff if you, mm-hmm. I mean they'll take longer but you need to cut them in right. small pieces it, it's carbon and that's yeah. really good yes you have to grind that up and even the eggshells so mm-hmm. here's what I do because I thought even before reading this article if I put eggshells in there without washing them there's going to be some critter that would like this uh, to eat on the inside a membrane, of membrane, right? Yeah, right. So I I wash them and when I, and I put them back in the empty carton in the refrigerator. When I get a dozen, I put I put them in the uh, oven and I dry them off in there. They become very brittle. Then I break them up. And do you save them for a long time? Because I mean, I don't eat enough eggs that that I. Have I use lots of eggs. Oh, okay. I, I, I use a dozen okay. a week easily. Oh, okay, because I yeah, was going to say, yeah. I'd, I'd be like, well, one egg, and I'm not going to turn no. the oven on for that. No, no, exactly. Okay. And, and then, um, now what I've been doing is, I've been putting them underneath the hosta, because it seems like they are sharp, too. And I, I can't say that it has made any difference where I've put them, but maybe I haven't had enough. I don't know. Well, and I've heard, too, that, that some people say that, because, you know, the, the slugs and um, they go over and it, they'll get cut or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, they haven't scientifically proven. If no. you you know maybe if it if anecdotally if it works for you you know go for it. But there's nothing scientific that proves that's a a pos- for for sure thing. Sure. Um. So just FYI, and, and I also read this um to bury them. Like I haven't planted my tomatoes yet because it's too early. But I have taken some eggshells that I've washed and crumpled up and I've buried them deep below sure. and uh, they say they some <coughs> say that the blossom rot that sometimes tomato get is caused from a lack of calcium it is but yep. then i read that that necessarily isn't um the main cause i also read that 
uh, in in some scientific material that says a lot of times it's because of not uh, regular enough watering. Consistent, yeah. Consistent watering, that's the Yeah, one. exactly. Yeah. So tomatoes need one to two inches of water. They also need to have well, uh, well-drained soil, which is a nice segue into a call that I got when I was in Ohio from a lady, and she said she had her tomato plants out, and it was going to get, I think this particular night, they said 34 degrees. Right, we had, we had, I had to cover <coughs> some things up, actually, and bring yeah. stuff inside. Well, I told her to cover them up, and um, she said, well, I'll do that, uh, but she said they're already losing their color. Mm. They're getting yellow. And I said, you know, that's because the soil is cold. Uh, they th- like it warm. They do. They like nice, warm soil. It has to be warm, not just in the daytime when the sun is out, All but it has to be warm at night. Yes. And if you think of this analogy, if you have a car and you go into the winter and you have a bad battery, when it gets cold, <laughs> your car's not going to start. It's going to stall. <clears throat> that's right. And this is the same thing that happens to the tomatoes. You put them in that wet, cold ground. And they were healthy when they went in there, and they soon stall out. And even when it warms up, it takes them a while to come back. So it's just not worth it. It's just like when you get really sick or something, <coughs> you know, you take a while to recover. And, and that happens with the plants, too. It does. It and does. so I know a lot of people at the plant sale bought Harvey's beautiful tomatoes, and they were very, very big. You And, you know, he talked about planting them very deep, etc. But I've just got mine still in the sun porch because it's still not warm enough out there. If I plant them, like you said, you know, they may start to turn yellow or just they just <coughs> will stall out and I won't be ahead any any way at all. And then yeah. I know a lot of folks buy the impress your neighbor or be, you know, beat your neighbor tomatoes mm-hmm. and they're those huge one and they put them out early. And then, well, if it's cold, they're just not going to do well. No, they, they, they simply don't. And then you think, wow, what's, what's the problem here? Then the next thing you think is maybe we should add some fertilizer. And that's wrong, too. Yeah. So, um if you improve your soil, and bear in mind that um, squash as well as tomatoes both will get blossom and rot if they don't have calcium, and you can also get that from oyster shells. You can buy oyster shells. I buy it by the twenty-five pound bag. You do wow. yes. And do you <laughs> sprinkle it on before, uh, during, no, I, after? I I when I uh, dig up the soil and I get it deep in the soil work and use it, mm-hmm. and. I take a hammer and a paper bag and I crunch them. Yeah, I do because they're still big. So I figured powder. Yeah, it it isn't powder, but it's granular, you know, more granular. So, and then the eggshells can do that same thing. And of course, you know, plants also need potassium. Bananas, the banana peel, it's just absolutely great for that. I wish I I could put a sign out in front of my house that says, (laughs) Drop your banana peels. (laughs) Yes, please, you know, drop your banana peels. You know, for years now, every time I I have a banana, I'll take the peel and I'll just throw it out the front door and it lands on the roses because I know that roses do well with with potassium. Potassium. So I mean, and they rot quickly enough. So, they do so I can't down. even I can't even tell you how many banana peels that are out in my front by the roses, and you know. Yeah. But you know what I do with the bananas when they come into the house? I wash them. You do? I have a spray uh, oh, in my kitchen sink because they have so much chemical on oh. them. Uh, so I don't want any of that accumulating in my soil either. Eek. So you know, you just start thinking about these things, and you start thinking these are living things. You know, this is like anything else. It's a living thing. You have to do the right thing. And if it's good for you, it's probably going to be good for them, too. So, uh, you know, this is a great time.
time for the spring flowers. We think of tulips and we think of daffodils. And, and some of mine are already done blooming, the tulips they, anyway. That's right. But and daffodils are beautiful. And the alliums, the big purple yeah, poof balls. Yes, and this, this is why we love alliums, because the deer don't eat them and the rabbits don't eat them, and they do multiply. I was so thrilled. Yesterday, Barb Maher was over to my garden, and she said, oh, I would love to have some alliums. She said, that color is so vibrant. Mm-hmm. It's almost the color of the, the shirt you have on today, Karen, with a little bit more pink. Purple, mat. purple, yeah. Yeah. And so I said, oh, can I give you some? I'm always looking for something to give her back because she gives me things. Right, a lot. And so she said, oh, that would be so great. But she said she just thought that would be really excellent to have them in her garden. You know, there's there's the smaller alliums that I planted, oh, I don't know how many years ago, but they started multiplying because I let them go to seed. Yes. And I regret to this day that I let them go to right. seed because they spread everywhere and I spent probably oh three hours one day picking all the babies out and they're still sure. coming because they could just they start to overtake things it's, so it, it, they're not even pleasant when they're blooming and I had them too and that's called the drumstick allium and oh, they, is that what that is okay I didn't rem- I just remember yeah, it was a long time ago it's not it, I like the big uh, ones because they they multiply, but not like rampant. they make a statement. Yes. Yeah, and they don't yeah. go rampant. Yeah, that that is so true. You know, the other things that I like are are plants that bloom alongside of these bulbs. And one of the things that's just doing really amazing in my garden are the Sylvestris anemone. That's a white anemone. I've never planted an anemone. I'll have to give you one because I have an extra one. And Is it like sun shade? I, I've got them on both the south and the north side of the okay. house and they're doing well in both places. They only bloom in the spring. They're not rebloomers. Okay. Of all the things that I have that rebloom um, uh, later on in the summer are the celadon poppies, and they are they're a yellow poppy. They rebloom. They do, oh. but here's what happens: you have to go in and you have to pinch out that spike that it's blooming on, and it'll have some big leaves alongside of it. When it gets done blooming, pinch those out too. It makes some new leaves, oh. and you're leaving leaves on there too. You're not leaving it bare, and and it'll. Sh- It'll send up another flower spike. Otherwise, it probably won't. Right. Otherwise, it doesn't. So if you're a person who doesn't like fussy things, maybe that one isn't for you. Because I know there's some people that just want a garden, plant it, and yeah. leave it, and not have to think about it. And, but and so that might not be your... Also, <laughs> if you a celadon poppy isn't fussy, if you don't want to make it be a rebloomer. Sure. Okay. It's, it's, it's that aspect of it. So, And the Canadian violets, which is a white violet, which is taller, very small little flower, but at hardy comes up can become invasive if you've yep. got really good soil. And then the Virginia bluebells are just, the, because it's cool, the color, the pink and the They're, blue. Yeah, different stages. I have had a Virginia bluebell that I probably got four or five years ago, and it's still like the one single stalk. And I, I've heard and read that they're supposed to spread. Do I just not have a, a good spot for it? It's kind of on the edge um, of my by my deck, and it gets some, some sun, not a lot. But it just seems to just, I mean, it blossoms, but that's just that one same stalk every year. And I see pictures where they've multiplied, naturalized. Yeah. And, and I they said, get what? a big clump. Yeah, yeah and I said, yeah. what in the world's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, I don't know because <laughs> they spread too. So yeah, mine um, about um, 15 feet for, I have one on the edge of a perennial border and about 15 feet beyond that is my raspberry patch. Mm-hmm. And on the edge of the raspberry patch, close to the compost pile, 
there's a Virginia bluebell, and it's made a clump, hmm. and it just loves it. Must be getting nutrients from that uh, compost pile. But the, in my yard, they seem to do really, really well. And you have to, um, they're going to die back. You have to be right. sure that you don't get in there and you dig put around. A stake so you don't forget yep, about them. Yeah, and sometimes um, put more than one stake because they're wide, and you may forget just how wide they are. So Mine isn't, by the way. <laughs> I have <laughs> anyway. a... I have a tulip that's blooming now that I think is just absolutely gorgeous. It's a lily-type tulip, and that means it has the pointed petals on it. It opens up, and it's striking. But the colors, um, it is um, black, dark, red, and the edging is softer, not quite a pink, Mm -hmm. but so it has an edge. And uh, it's it's really really striking. It's striking because the red and the main body of the tulip is so dark, and then the or the fringe is just a softer color. Really really pretty. You know, it's amazing through the years how they have developed such beautiful uh, hybrids. But I do know that some hybrids don't come back every year. Yeah. Um, like the the um, was it the Darwin ones that come back? Uh, the ones that naturalize? I'm trying to think of the one, which are the ones that naturalize and come back year after year. Because I planted some of those parrot ones, and they're just beautiful, but then they don't come back necessarily. Right. Well, the the ones that come back are those um, unhybridized ones, uh, and they will. They're shorter and smaller, mm-hmm. and they make bulbs. They get up really early. They're they're the yes. first tulips in my garden, so they get a longer season to manufacture food so that they can do that. Whereas these big ones, they're kind of like a, a flash in the pan type thing. But you they're know, they're beautiful. here and then they're gone. Yeah, yeah, and the they're also taller stems with this wind that we have that hasn't exactly been great. Now I also have. Uh, iris that are blooming, the um, little uh, uh, intermediate standards they're they're blooming and the uh, miniatures are blooming. You gave me one that's um it's it's probably I would call a medium but it's almost black purple, and I'm oh, sure yeah. I got that from you. But it is just and it smells so good because I know you gave me this iris and I had no idea and for the first year. It bloomed and I just couldn't believe it. It was it was so dark deep purple. It's the color of your shirt. Well, no, it's deeper than that. It's, yeah, it's, well, yeah, but when that shirt was maybe new, maybe it's washed out now. But if you can <laughs> think you could intensify that. But it, yeah. And it's <clears> I love that plant. I love it. And I think. do you know what kind that is? Because I, I would just. I have no idea. Oh. I think I may have got that from Jean Cuddy maybe 30 years ago. Oh, wow. So it's and, beautiful. Yes. And then I've got the Siberian iris. Now, when do they bloom? Because they're right now, they're very thin, delicate right. looking right. Um, uh, leaves the, or foliage. Sure, they they they're nice for that aspect. That the foliage and they move in the wind. That's mm-hmm. really nice. But it's it's going to be. They'll be coming on maybe sometime in June. I can't tell you exactly, but they're not the earliest. See, when I the, like that you can plant different things that you'll have the continuous yeah. bloom. So I've got this earlier iris, and that'll be done, and then the the other ones will be coming back along. And I really enjoy that. It seems sometimes during. Um, the the early spring where we have the tulips and stuff, there's kind of a dead period for me. So mm-hmm. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do to put get some yeah. more blooming. I have something that that might work for you. I don't have any extra ones, but and it's just started blooming now. It's called a Carpathian bellflower. It mm-hmm. has stems that are 12 inches tall, very small blue, light 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 blue bellflowers on it, mm. and just gorgeous. The other thing in the south side of my house that's blooming is the uh, false indigo 
um, and that's in the yellow. Is that also called baptisia? It is baptisia. Okay. Right. Okay. The purple one is behind this, but the yellow one comes out, and that's uh, a clump. That makes what? a nice big clump. I planted one of the yellow ones one year because they, they were like tinged with purple, <coughs> and they were so beautiful, but mine never came back. So what what did they like? Maybe it was too hot or something. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I have it on the south side. I planted it and gave it space, and it just grows and grows and grows. So I can't say that okay. it has. And the same thing with some people have told me that the uh, Baptisia, the purple one, that they have trouble keeping that going. Oh, I've huh. never had problems with that either. And, and as a matter of fact, I've had. It's difficult to move because it has a very deep root on it. The big tap root. Right. Yeah. So I have to cut that back. I just take pieces of it out so that it can remain in the spot I want it to be in. This is one of the things you can do right now is take a pen and uh, and a piece of paper and go out and, and make notes about your garden. There are some things that are going to be over, because we've had so much moisture, they're going to be bigger than they've ever been. I've, ha- I've seen pictures of people <coughs> in the, the, the Minnesota Hosta Society have put on the, the Minnesota Hosta Society Facebook showing the difference in, I don't remember if it was back in 2017 or which year it was, showing the difference in how the springs are with this one being so much cooler and how farther behind we are this year. In fact, sure. my hardy hibiscus have not even shown anything out of the ground so i mean and i know no. not to you know in the past when i first got it right. i was like think oh it died but is, some things just yes. aren't up yet yes and it doesn't matter if they're on the north side the south side mm-hmm. east or west side just they slow. they are very very slow and they'll have some of that old wood left there and there's no indication there that that's alive or anything because that doesn't come back right? right and so then the 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 new stalks come up beside that and you just think Oh, thank, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy for that because that is a beautiful plant. Is there anything else you have that isn't quite up yet because, uh, you know, <clears throat> people might think it's dead or, you know. That's uh, the big one for me. Yeah, yeah. Some, um, I I have some bare spots and the only way that I know it's not open up, it's not up yet is there's a bare spot because in my world, if there's a bare spot, you fill plant, it in. fill it in as fast as you can. Right. So I've also uh, been putting things in pots and keeping them in the greenhouse and then taking them out in the daytime. That's what I've been doing, too, because it's too cold and wet to put things out. I did make a mistake. Before I left, I brought my clivia out, and it was on a hot, sunny day. <laughs> oh, no. And you burnt it? I did. It. I did. I just thought it was more tolerant than that, and I just didn't think the sun was that hot. It didn't take much, though, and it was. So um, it's going to have to have some of that foliage cut off and uh, and that's another thing if you had house plants they may have outgrown their pot you might want to take a look at them and repot them in one size bigger than they're in now yeah not a giant <coughs> pot but maybe an inch or two inches bigger, yeah right? we sometimes think if i do this in a really big pot i won't have to do it for a long time that's not that's good. not true it'll just grow roots and you'll think the plant is like doing nothing okay yeah. we are out of time and so i want to thank you barb it's always great to talk to you and uh, if you have any questions that we haven't answered, you can always call the Minnesota Extension Service here in, well, Blue Earth County, Nicollet County, wherever, and yep. uh, ask, ask them your questions. And think about putting in a compost pile. Yes. Thanks, Barb. Thank you.